The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Welcome back, everybody, to the podcast. I'm your host, Rohan Chakravarti, and I'm uh, excited to announce a guest here with me, Seth Kruger, uh, a student here at Wisconsin. Seth, how are you doing today, man? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Excited to talk some Wisconsin basketball, but also Wisconsin football, and uh, excited to chop shop with you. Before we start, though, yeah, can thanks. we just give a little Thank bit you about your me. background? Yeah. Can, we, can, we, yeah. can I get a little bit about your background? Just let uh, everybody know kind of a little bit about you, and then we can go on. Sure. Uh, yeah, like you said, I'm a student here, just like you. Um, I'm a freshman. I'm originally from Michigan, just outside Detroit. Uh, I grew up a little bit over on the Michigan State side of things, but uh, my first year here, I've been getting used to the, the Badgers and enjoying watching the football games and the basketball games and getting into the, the climate here. Yeah, man. Uh, that's cool to hear. Cool to hear. And definitely, uh, like you said, a pleasure to have you on the show. We got to start, though, talking a little negative. I know I know, uh, fans might not like it. I mean, fans might like it because of how the state is. But we got to start by talking about basketball. We see the title. The Badgers have an offensive problem, not a defensive problem. And that has kind of been a theme for me in the recent slide. Do you agree with that sentiment? Do you disagree? I know there are uh, fans, I know certainly players that might disagree. But do you disagree or agree with that sentiment? I would agree with it. I mean – Obviously, the Badgers are very well known for their their defensive um, intensity, and it's pretty much around the country known as one of the toughest defenses to play against. But um, whether it be through injuries or just uh, kind of a change in college basketball and Big Ten basketball, it's definitely clear that the scoring has been the biggest uh, issue. doesn't matter how many points the Badgers let up or how many blocks they get, how many steals per game. Um, the scoring has been the very obvious uh, point that's been sticking out as um, the biggest problem in, in their game. I, I think I agree. And I mean, earlier or uh, just this past weekend, I was talking with head coach Greg Gard. I was talking with some of the players and post game I'd asked and a couple of others had asked in the media room, 
what was the issue with the Badgers team? What has been the issue? And they talked about the defense, and they talked about how the defense was great in the first half, but the defense let up for a six-minute period in the second half. And because they didn't play defense well enough for 40 minutes, that was an issue in this game. To me, while I do agree, they let up defensively for six minutes, offense, they're going to have their spurts. In my opinion, the way that they are playing the first half is unsustainable. It's not shots are going to just fall in regardless of how contested they are. Shots are going to fall in. You're not going to continue shooting 30% from the field in one half to the next. To me, the problem isn't the defense and not playing for 40 minutes because you are going to give up uh, points and there are going to be some of these runs where just offenses get hot. That's uh, uh, that's just normal in, in college basketball. The problem is you're so reliant on that defense that when anything goes awry, you're not able to pick up the pace. And that was the issue with the Badgers. When Illinois started hot in the second half, uh, converting a good amount of their early shots and getting a couple of points up on the board, Wisconsin couldn't re they couldn't replicate that offensive success because they had been shooting so poorly. And we can talk about what the questions are with the team. Why has there been uh, an issue with offense? Is it a talent issue? Is it a recruiting issue? Is it a coaching issue? We can talk about all of those issues. But regardless, I think the theme has to be that Badgers have an offense problem, not a defense problem. And I think that because of the culture at Wisconsin, because this team has always been seen as a physical, defensive-oriented team, whenever something goes awry on that side of the ball, it's easy to pinpoint the blame there. When in reality, we've got to understand that the defense all season has been uplifting the offense, which has been one of the most inefficient offenses, three-point shooting aside, inefficient offenses here. When you play slow and also play inefficient, it's not a recipe for success. And when the Badgers have not been executing to the level that they should that's also not a recipe for success so yeah. I, I do agree with that sentiment and i wanted to also hear your thoughts on what do you think has been another part of the recent slide what do you think has kind of been the issue here with the wisconsin badgers right well i 100 percent agree with you that i think the defense is kind of the first thing that these players these coaches will turn to just because they know that that's what they're known for and that's what they can attempt to improve on the most theoretically. Um, but I think obviously the offense is a big part of it, but something else I've picked up on, um, just kind of analyzing the games and watching them, taking some notes and uh, writing out my articles, um, the rebounding has been very, very inconsistent and pretty concerning. Um, it didn't help that one of the highest rebounders on the team, one of our tallest guys, Tyler Wall, was out for a while. Um, and Max Klesma as well does a lot on the defensive side with rebounding as well. Um, but between Stephen Crowell's kind of fall off uh, after his hot streak to begin the season, um, I think the rebounding, a lot of the teams that we've played against recently, Illinois has the most recent example, tons of second chance opportunities, second chance points. Um, and on the other side of the court, the Badgers aren't creating any of their own second opportunities because they can't get any rebounds. Um, on offense, which, you know, isn't as expected, but defensive rebounds have really been the issue um, that's allowed a lot of these um, offensive runs from the other teams that the Wisconsin defense then can't make up for. I think that that's a good point. When, when you talk about it, look, teams that normally uh, allow less amount of points defensively they normally are ones that rebound the most. Why? Because when an opposing team misses a good amount of shots, 
you normally get more rebounds compared to when they're making shots because obviously the chance for a rebound is not there. And the statistics really back up exactly what you're saying. Wisconsin, they're the second best team in opponent percentage uh, in terms of opponent field goal percentage. Uh, sorry, second worst team in terms of opponent field goal percentage this year, allowing 43.8% of opponent shots. That's still very good. I mean, in the in the Big Ten, it's just been a very, very defensive-oriented team. But regardless, Wisconsin has not created offensive rebounds. They're second worst in the Big Ten in that category as well. Seven and a half rebounds offensively um, uh, that they've gotten. And then defensively, they're the worst in the Big Ten at 23.8. The rebounding margin on an average game-to-game uh, -game basis is the, the worst. And that kind of, it, it to me, it tells me two things. One, they're not having as many shots going, which is obviously true. But two, they have had a rebounding issue. And they they haven't had an uh, they haven't really gotten it on the offensive glass, which takes away from the seven, second chance uh, opportunities and things like that. And so it's a really an issue of two ends: the defensive rebounding, but also the offensive rebounding, which is important. The defense can be there, but you also need the rebounding to back up the defense, which is important because it leads to second chance chance opportunities and sometimes easier shots than the first shot selection. Yeah, hundred um, percent. It reminds me we haven't I don't think we've played Purdue yet this season. Um, but just watching yeah. Purdue play as the number one team in the country, obviously they, their center, Zach Eady, is dominating right now. And a lot of it is because of his ability to offensive, get an offensive rebound and take a much higher percentage shot inside the paint, um, which is what the Badgers are allowing many teams to do. And so I can't even imagine uh, when we play Purdue the types of easy two points that those types of guys like Zach Eady are going to be able to get um, just by – being a better rebounder than the Badgers have been all season. Yeah, I, I think that that's fair, and it's it's definitely something that when you look at that matchup, it's you got to wonder who's going to stop Zach Eady, how is that going to happen, and things like that. Yeah. So I I do think that that's uh, very fair, but I do want to shift the topic, ask you really a hard question that I I think a lot of fans have been wondering recently. I know I have my own opinions on it, especially speaking to him uh, a good amount over this past. Uh, past year Greg guard do you think he deserves to be fired yeah I saw that one coming um uh it really reminds me of the the whole saga that we had with the football team just this past fall too um as soon as the team starts to go downhill um this is the case with any team any professional college setting um around the country around the world um a lot of the blame goes right to the head coach or the manager whoever's making uh the most important decisions um, with that being said, honestly, I don't think that Greg Gard, um, maybe he should be on the hot seat a little bit, but I think that he needs more time, um, to figure out what's going on before we just say, let's move on. Um, uh, because obviously he's proven himself as one of the best coaches in the big 10, um, coaching amongst other incredible coaches, um, within the big 10 and outside as well. Um, you know, winning the big 10 last year when they were, the Badgers were projected to be at the bottom, that alone should say uh, the positive ceiling that he has uh, in any given season. And I don't think this season's ever any different. Um, maybe it is now seeing where we are in the standings. Probably not possible that we can get back to the top like that. Um, but I don't think ruling out a turnaround or at least writing the ship uh, with him is completely out of the picture. And I think he deserves more of a chance to do that before we just get him out. I agree with your sentiment, and I, I mean, there's a, a theme that I've seen with the, the Badgers and that I've tweeted about and wrote about a little bit. 
the Badgers have an offense problem, but why do they have an offense problem? What's going wrong with the offense? If it's coaching, that means they aren't creating the right looks for their players. and uh, That means it's not necessarily on the players. It's for the coach, for the scheme. I don't think that's the issue. Wisconsin, we saw very much in that last game. The players admitted it. The coach admitted it. There were a lot of open looks, a lot of good looks to top players. When your top players get open looks, you're expecting your top players to hit those shots at a more consistent rate than the 6 of 33 that Wisconsin had in the first half last game. That's just inexcusable. And the offensive inefficiency all year has been inexcusable with the looks that you've sometimes gotten. Another part, sometimes those looks aren't being generated because Wisconsin, this offense, while it is big dominant, why? Uh, what happens when you have those big dominant offenses, especially with Wisconsin? A lot of cutting. You've got a lot of passing and a lot of cutting. Wisconsin, those passers passing into the lanes have been hesitant to throw the ball to cutters in tighter passing lanes. When those cutters have been open, that creates you a couple of more layups a game, a couple of more high efficiency shots, and can improve that layup percentage that Wisconsin has really struggled with this year. And that leads me to my third point. Easier shots like layups, easier shots like free throws, those have been an issue. Now, is Greg Gard without blame? No. I think Greg Gard does, certainly deserves some blame because when you talk about lack of execution, especially on a consistent basis as it has been for the last six, seven games, that falls on the head coach. The head coach has to understand what his players are good at and what his players aren't good at, why there is the execution issue, and adjust to that. That falls on the head coach, and that can also fall on Greg Gard's inability, really, or lack of recruiting uh, in, in that in that aspect. Because Wisconsin, face it or not, has a talent issue. Gard himself knows it. He talked about the depth on this team not being as deep as you'd want it to be for March, for February, for the later part of the season. That is another part of the uh, of the uh, of the kind of equation that you have to point to. So. Guard, to me, does not deserve to be fired. I think he's shown that the scheme can work when you put the right players in it. And also, he's shown that, I mean, when, when you see it on tape, the execution has to just be better in terms of open shot looks, in terms of hitting the ball to cutters, and in terms of uh, smaller aspects like that. And so that is there, but Guard does take blame for the talent because he's the one who really puts the talent on the court. That's up to him. And that's up to him and the recruiting staff where he essentially leads it. And he's the one who really dictates how that essentially ends up happening. So with the amount of talent coming in in the upcoming recruiting classes, Guard really has to get some extra talent going forward. And he needs to make sure that that depth doesn't reach the limits that this depth had this year, be it via transfer portal, be it via the recruiting. He's got to do better in that aspect. So he isn't without blame, but you also have to take into effect how much success he's had here and why he's had the success that he has. That's my opinion. Yeah, no, I 100% agree. I mean, you look at the, the team we have right now, obviously he did do a decent job recruiting. You know, Connor Season has been one of the best freshmen in the Big Ten in the country. Um, and Max Klesmet getting him from the transfer portal from uh, Wofford. Obviously, those are two guys that have made a huge difference um, this season when they have executed in their respective areas, Connor with the shooting mostly and Max with his defense. Um, but as you said, beyond that, there's – little to no depth um you know he brought in Kamari McGee as well um as a backup point guard but you already have kind of what you need at point guard at least we thought at the beginning of the season with Hepburn um but looking at the depth further down who comes behind Wall who comes behind Crowell that's where it's really starting to lack 
I, I think so too. I mean, when you talk about the depth, that's why it, it is tough, right? Because we talk about the lack of talent, but when we talk about the lack of talent in guard, we also undermine the fact that he brought in one of the most impactful players on the team in Max Klesman. Klesman, we saw what he could do, and we saw the issues with him the two games out. When Klesman was out, who scored the most? Jameer Young had 22 points for Maryland. Uh, and then the two guards over there at North Northwestern, Boo Bouye and Chase Ottage, both had very good games because you don't have that guard presence in Max Klesmet there to be able to defend. And so there's an extra player that really could go off. And, I mean, even in this past game, what happened? Terrence Shannon, the guy who had torched Wisconsin the last time they played, Two for six shooting, only six shots. Matthew Meyer torched Connor Asijan uh, on the defensive end. But Terrence Shannon was locked up by Max Klesman. You see the value he provides defensively, which is the biggest thing. And Greg Gard is noted about his leadership. He's a voice in that uh, in, in practice, in that locker room. He's a voice that the players respect because of his experience and because of the way he plays. And I think that that is uh, something that also is respected by the Wisconsin coaches and by the Wisconsin players. That's a guy who... That you you got you got to admit is a very underrated pickup and a, a great pickup for a Wisconsin team uh, that now seems like they're more predicated on three point shooting. Which while Klesman isn't necessarily a very uh, big shot creator, he can hit threes at a rate when needed. Yeah, definitely. Um, but then of course you look at the positive. There's always the negatives, the gaps that are obviously looming very large. Um, which especially were obvious when Tyler Wall was out, the scoring dropped. Um, his replacements, right. you know, whether it be um, Carter Gilmore or even Johnny or Jordan Davis, whoever it is, obviously um, the lack of talent behind Wall and those other guys is what's really showing. I, I do agree. And I mean, it, it, you can talk about it in multiple ways. Is it player development that's an issue? Is it player or is it pure talent just coming straight up? in that you need to acquire more talent. I think you could think uh, you could make an argument for both. I do think that you do want to bring in more talent and a big question coming into this year that Greg Gard probably uh, isn't, it's not that he's maybe frustrated with, but probably is disappointed by now is that he didn't break up that big that many people wanted from the transfer portal. You, you probably did want that big with the amount of guys that were outgoing. You, you probably wanted some depth and in that capacity and the Wisconsin Badgers paid for it. Guard, I mean, Tyler Wall missed four games or so, and they lost all four games that he missed. I mean, you you can see the ramifications already. And the hope right now is Wisconsin remains healthy. They're 11-3 and three now after this past loss when each of their five starters play. They are, I believe, 1-5 when the five starters don't play together. And that one win came, I believe, when they started together, but then one got injured. So... Uh, it, it, you can talk about it in different ways, you, but the, the, the overarching theme is the Wisconsin wins when their starters are on the court. Wisconsin doesn't win when their starters, at least one starter is missing. And so you do need the starters. If you want any kind of hope for bouncing back, you do need those starters. And I think that that's the one reason, but I also want to ask you, how do you think Wisconsin can rebound from this uh, recent slide or so? What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? 
Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. Yeah, that's that's tough um, because obviously the Big Ten is one of the best uh, conferences in the nation right now. Only two teams are ranked, and yet projections are showing you know nine, ten, eleven of the teams making it to the tournament. That just shows how difficult um, any team in the Big Ten uh, their their schedule can be. And of course, Wisconsin's is no different. Um, obviously, they still have Purdue to come, and then the likes of Michigan, Northwestern, Ohio State, all who have been playing at least good enough um, to really keep causing the issues or keep exacerbating the issues that Wisconsin's had so far. Um, But to answer your question, I think to rebound, um, there's a few parts. Obviously, rebounding the ball better. I think that needs to be a main focus. Maybe not as much on offense, but at least on defense because, like we talked about before, um, the defense can be great, but when – you know, a guy like Zach Eady or Hunter Dickerson gets a rebound right under the under the hooping to just put it right back in. Your amazing defense isn't going to be able to do anything about that uh, to stop that. Um, and then, like we've been saying, the the offensive struggles are very real. Um, and maybe it is something to do with the way that uh, Greg Gard wants to run his offense. Maybe it's just purely a, a lack of talent, lack of shot-making ability, whatever it may be. Um, I think they need to figure out at least one surefire way where they can really ensure that they're having effective and efficient offensive possessions. Um, like you look at early in the season when they started, you know, 11 and three, something like that. And you, you look at Stephen Crowell's numbers, like he was scoring the ball very well because the Badgers had it figured out an offense where they could either get it down low to him for him to score or he can pass it out, whatever he's going to do with it in order to get good, effective offensive possessions. and. For some reason, maybe it was because of the injuries or whatever the reason may be, that efficiency has just disappeared. So I think that's where they really need to focus is at least finding one way where they can really figure out um, how to at least 
keep games close and compete with the other guys. Right. And, I mean, we saw the title. Offense problem, not a defense problem. That's number one where you've got to talk about it. And when I talk about execution, does execution mean that those issues can't be fixed? No. Because when you see those passing lanes, when you hit those cutters, you, you increase your – the goal should be to increase the amount of high percentage shots. Shots aren't going to fall in some games. That's absolutely going to be – it's just going to be the case. Some games shots aren't going to fall. Some games shots are going to fall, especially with the amount of streaky shooters that you have in Wisconsin. Tyler Wall being streaky at times. Uh, Chucky Hepburn, obviously the epitome of streakiness. Uh, Connor Seijan even has some off games as well. So when you talk about the streaky shooters, shots are going to fall. Shots aren't going to fall. But the, how do you increase the chance of your shots falling? take high percentage shots. I think that that is where the Wisconsin Badgers should focus on. So you got to start hitting those cutters when the cutters are available. You've got to keep your eyes up and really take the shots. Don't be hesitant. You got to take the shots, which means guys that need to step up shouldn't be afraid of just playing into their role. Even if it's a guy like Carter Gilmore, when you have that layup opportunity like he did in this past game, go up with it. Go dunk that ball instead of waiting for something else to develop, losing a shot opportunity like that. Rebounding, well, the, the Badgers are going to have a depth issue for the remainder of the year. So that way, the way that they continue that is just playing as uh, as well defense as they have. I don't think defensively has been their issue. They're one of the better defensive teams in general. I don't think defensively has been too big of an issue. The other thing, start dialing up more plays for Connor Seijan. Connor Seijan's been a guy who has been scoring, but he also hasn't taken the amount of shots that you want. Some of those actions that Connor Seijan should get the ball are from those passing and cutting. So maybe the, uh, the Badgers start hitting him there and valuing his cutting ability, which is the best on the team, but they also should dial up shots uh, and find ways to to really create shots for Connor Seijan at the moment because right now he's going to be guarded well. How can Greg Gard uh, kind of adjust that and how can Greg Gard change that so that Connor Seijan can get more shots and the Badgers can get more high percentage offense. Yeah, I completely agree with, with the season, especially um, the beginning of the season, nobody really knew what he was going to be. And so maybe he wasn't guarded as heavily. And then he started to prove himself um, even as early as like the battle for Atlantis against Dayton against Kansas. Um, he really proved to be, even though those weren't the best offensive games either. Uh, he really proved to be a weapon that the Badgers have on offense. Um, and now that he's really getting the, the Big Ten treatment um, of being face guarded, you know, tough shots, not really getting open or anything like that, um, I think it's a little bit of a, a confidence thing as well. Um, just the fact that he knows he's kind of essentially being shut down by the other the other teams. He's not going to want to take those shots as much. So like you were saying, if guards able to figure out a play or a few plays to get him open, just get him shooting the ball more, whether it be from the outside or getting in the lane, winning uh, a trip to the line, um, that's that's really going to help the offensive struggles. I, I agree. I agree. And I think that there are a couple of things also that when you talk about it, when you, when you balance two things, how to rebound, you have to understand what Wisconsin is doing well right now. And one of those things is shooting the three ball well. The, the Wisconsin Badgers shoot – make 8.53s per game and shoot it, I believe, at the fifth highest rate in the Big Ten, completing 36.2% of their three-point shots. They're a really good three-point shooting team, and you've got to master that. It also comes down to opposing teams are going to defend you well from three, so you've got to find high-percentage shots, which means creating for your two best shot, uh, shot creators in Chucky Hepburn and Connor Rasijan, who both hit a majority, not a majority, but a good amount of their threes from distance. You've got to value that. But – 
continuing on with the talk about how to rebound, you've got to also continue to do what you've been doing well. It's tough. The Badgers have lost a good amount of games recently, but you have to admit what they've been doing well. They've taken care of the ball very well. Greg Gard noted this in this past game when, uh, when talking about the defensive issues. He noticed how the offense has been taking care of the ball well, finding high percentage shots, just not hitting them. That's an issue. But they've been taking care of the ball well, which is important. And so when you talk about the turnovers, Wisconsin right now, they rank second best in the Big Ten, just turning the ball over nine times a game. And then in terms of turnover margin, they're second best as well. They uh, create 12.1 turnovers a game. Not necessarily the highest rank. It's about middle of the pack in the Big Ten, but they create a good amount of turnovers as well. And so to me, I think that, yeah, the Wisconsin Badgers, they, they, they're they succeeding in that turnover category, need to continue to protect the ball while creating better shots. Yeah, absolutely. Of course, we've been talking a lot about the negatives right now, but there are definitely still some positives um, that we see. Um, and if they are able to continue protecting the ball and, you know, not turning it over and getting the steals and whatever else that they do to get their, their 12 or so turnovers a game, um, that's going to be a big part in helping the offense figure out because they're going to have more time on offense to figure out, you know, new plays that they may draw, getting other guys open, feeling more confident with those cuts, with those passes, um, with the shots, whatever it may be. Um, staying consistent with how they've been with the turnovers is going to allow them to get more practice because, you know, as a lot of people say, uh, you practice how you play, but there's nothing like the real game. And just the, the most practice that they can get on the court um, in the real game time situation without turning the ball over and having good offensive possessions, that will also help as well. Yeah, I definitely think so. I definitely think so. And kind of, Doing a little bit of a shift because we've talked a lot about the basketball team and we did talk a little bit about the positives. There is something positive brewing in the Wisconsin sports kind of area, not with the basketball team, unfortunately, but with the football team and Luke Fickle. We hadn't gotten necessarily a good amount of January 18th, about two weeks ago, but Luke Fickle did add uh, one tight end uh, into his 2024 class, the second recruit now. Uh, of the 2024 class, including quarterback maybe Menaur, but he added tight end Grant Steck, who's seen as a four-star recruit on ESPN, a four-star recruit on 247 Sports, and a three-star recruit on Rivals. Pretty, pretty solid addition, and continuing uh, to to kind of harp on that vertical attack, uh, Steck being uh, somewhat of a leaner tight end, but a guy who can produce in a vertical attack and so another good addition. What have you kind of thought about Luke Fickle, the way he's changed the program, and how the Badgers can move forward? Yeah, I think it's been massive. Um, you know, as soon as he got into office, he brought all of his recruiting guys from, from uh, Cincinnati, um, brought a lot of his own players from Cincinnati too, and I think that's the reputation that he's already built in just a few months that he's been here, has been, um, you know, I'm here, I'm ready to start, this program clean. I've got my own plans. I've got my own guys to recruit. And I'm going to start bringing people in. Um, and, you know, like we've seen, even from the transfer portal, um, the receiver from USC, the receiver from Oklahoma State, like even in the, the spots where the badges are already decent, you know, DK, Skyler Bell, those types of guys are very sufficient in what they do. But the, the um, opportunities that, that Fickle is bringing with his 
um, with this new coaching staff, um, mainly with the recruiting, has been really, really encouraging. Yeah, no, definitely. And I, I think that it, it is important because when you talk about it, you're right. He wants to build a culture, and that culture, a part of it, I know it's different than what he uh, what has happened thus far, but a culture, a part of it, is operating within that 350-mile radius, recruiting from within uh, and close to home because that's who he wants to hammer on. He wants to focus those recruiting efforts on guys close to Wisconsin that can embody the Wisconsin culture. Grant Steck being the latest guy, a guy from Illinois, uh, and a guy who should fit well into the Phil Longo system because when you talk about it, Longo's a guy who adapts to his surroundings. He adapts to what the personnel is. Uh, a couple of years ago in the North Carolina system, North Carolina featured three tight ends who were prolific part of their passing attack. So instead of focusing towards the uh, receivers and the running backs as much, Longo looked at a tight uh, a passing attack that could be centralized more on the tight ends because that's where the bread and butter of the team was. Now, while that won't necessarily be the case this year, although the Badgers do return a majority of their tight end room with Clay Cundiff, a guy coming back from injury, as well as um, Hayden Rucci, one of the better blockers on the team, it's going to be cool to see what Longo does with this offense, an offense that does have a solid backfield, obviously, in Braylon Allen and Ches Malusi, but also the receiving weapons, including some experienced ones and then some intriguing young ones in Shamari DK and Bryson Green, a transfer as the two experienced ones, and then some young ones in Skylar Bell, CJ Williams, Keontes Lewis also uh, jumped in the mix, and then uh, a couple of other guys as well that are in that mix to potentially be uh, contributors in 2022. So it's cool to see what Fickle has done. Obviously, we've seen the power that his recruiting level has, both him and his recruiting staff. It seems like he just finds a way to connect with these individuals and have them build a part, uh, be a part of this program, which is a difference for Wisconsin, especially in the way that they've, uh, in, in the way that they've recruited at certain positions because of the circumstances that come with playing in Wisconsin. So it, it, it's definitely been cool. My slogan on Fickle, the early returns are extremely promising, but the only important thing right now is what happens on the field. And that kind of leads me into asking, because it's his first year, although he's had success at Cincinnati, significant success, and has built a ton of hype around this team, what are your expectations for Wisconsin in 2022? Um, yeah, for this upcoming season, obviously the team may look as good as it does on paper um, with recruiting and returning, um, but you never really know how it's going to pan out. Um, I think that the expectations that we had for this past season were um, disappointing, or they were disappointed to say the least. Um, and that was obviously evident by the firing um, halfway through the season. Um, but I do think that the expectations should be high for this new, this new um, Badgers football team. I mean, the Big Ten West is not particularly known for having the most incredible teams. Obviously, the Big Ten East is a little bit more competitive with the likes of Michigan and Ohio State mainly. Um, and while there are teams, you know, Purdue had a decent year this past year. Northwestern was top 10 in the country a few years ago. Um, those kind of feel a little bit more, I wouldn't say random, but sporadic. And so it feels like the Big Ten West is almost always pretty much wide open. And with such a powerhouse that it feels like they're building here around Fickle and around the transfers and the returners. I think that, you know, Big Ten Championship game, top of the Big Ten West, 
and a decent bowl game is not an unreasonable expectation for this upcoming season. That is bold. I'll say that, but I respect it because it certainly can be that. Uh, to me, my expectations are much lower. The reason being this is the first year of an offense and being behind the scenes, see, uh, talking to offensive coordinator Bobby Engram and understanding what comes with being a first-year coordinator in a new scheme for an offense, not only for the coach, but for the offense, it takes a while for that system to unload. And especially a system like Longo's, it takes a while for the quarterbacks to be able to process at the level that you want them to process that going forward. It takes a while for the receivers to be adapted. And the good thing that Fickle has done to potentially ease that transition window is brought in experience at every position that you need. He brought in an experienced quarterback in Tanner Mordecai, who undoubtedly is going to be the starting, uh, not the starting, but the favorite to win the starting job in, in 2022. He brought in a, a top receiver in Bryson Green, one of the top uh, wideouts uh, that had experience in the uh, transfer portal. He brought him in defensively, brought in guys like Darian Varner, who have uh, had success, got him, brought in guys like Jeff Petrowski uh, on the offensive line. Uh, a t uh, an offensive line that's loaded with so much potential, but not necessarily as much experience, brought in guys like Joe Huber, who can be a valuable, versatile offensive lineman. And then Jake Renfro, a guy who has seen all AAC level experience uh, in his one year of starting after obviously the injury he had last year. So he's brought in experience to help ease the window, but it's still a first time offense for a significant amount of players on the team. And that's going to require a lot more time to kind of uh, to, to get evolved, especially after the offense you saw last year because of the differing play styles that the offense has. So my expectations are tempered. I expect a better season than 2022. I think 500 has to be the baseline, but I don't think I would go as far as a Big Ten title because I wonder how long it takes for every everybody to get things clicking. Do they have an early season loss because of the issues? What does kind of fickle go through? Uh, and how does the change, how quickly does the change evolve? I think a, a respectable record could be around nine and three, maybe an eight and four record as the baseline, but I don't think that I would go as far as the uh, expectations that you, or not the expectations, but the hopes that you have. Although it is a very respectable take because it almost, it, it definitely could happen with the team that you have and the quarterback that you have that can compete in the system with the well-roundedness now of the team. So respect that take for sure. Yeah, thank you. But I, the, the what to what you're saying too. I think it's important to consider the other side of such a strong recruiting uh, group, recruiting class. Um, when you have so many guys coming in, both the experienced and the newcomers, um, you never know how they're going to work with each other. You know, I mean, between all the receivers that we've mentioned just in the past few minutes, you can only have you know three or four of them out at a time. Um, making plays for the team. And so, and even the same with the, the quarterbacks, bringing in however many, three or four um, so far already, the competition, while it may fuel the guys, it also may kind of negatively affect uh, the beginning parts of the season too, because they're kind of trying to compete between each other. Hopefully it's not the case. And hopefully I, I would assume that they're all very supportive of each other in winning their own starting jobs or being the backup. But, there is definitely that, that kind of side piece of um, bringing all these different types of people together could very well um, kind of explode in, in the early parts of the season. Yeah, no, I, I definitely could see it. But hey, 
uh, Seth, it's been a it's been a fun time talking to you today because we've got over the topics, obviously the basketball team, the recent slide, how they could improve, but also just a little glimpse into the football team with spring ball coming up in about a little over a month and a half, maybe two months. So that's kind of where we're going to get the news, but we should see a little more of the 2024 recruiting class because junior day just passed. A lot more offers are being extended out. A lot more people are mulling over decisions. We could see some extra uh, flair up there while the second transfer portal time, uh, period could uh, come up soon as well. So a lot of interesting news, but Seth, appreciate your time. Thank you for joining on. Any last thoughts? Uh, no, hopefully uh, my expectations are obviously a lot higher than yours and no offense, but I do hope you're wrong and I am right. But thank you for hey. inviting me. This, this has been a pleasure. Yeah, man. Hope I'm wrong as well. I'm always hoping <laughs> that the team proves me wrong. I'm always hoping that that kind of happens. We'll see what happens, though, with the football team this year, and we'll see how the basketball team rebounds, if that's a possibility. For those of you guys tuning in, thank you so much. We appreciate the support, and we'll see you guys next time. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.